1: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So let's dig right in, shall we? Okay, so I was going to talk about something else today, but I have to talk about this because I think it's rather frightening. Don't blame the Democrats for Republican Governor Mike DeWine's dystopian partnering with FEMA to set up isolation camps throughout Ohio to fight COVID-19. As our long national nightmare of 15 days, that's 1-5, to flatten the curve, drags into its sixth month, many of our nation's governors and bureaucrats are inventing new ways to wield power. On August 31st, without much fanfare and with almost no news coverage, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine ordered Interim Director of Health Lance Himes to amend The unconstitutional health order the state citizens, that's us, have been suffering under since March to create what amounts to FEMA camps. DeWine used an archaic sentence in the Ohio Revised Code, which gives the health director ultimate authority during a pandemic to order everything from shutdowns to a statewide mask order to school closings. And the latest order involves the construction and use of what are essentially FEMA camps to isolate individuals. And I am going directly to the Ohio Department of Health right now. I am on their website, the director's orders. It says, one, non-congregate sheltering be utilized throughout the state for those who are unable to safely self-quarantine in their place of residence and to isolate those diagnosed with or showing symptoms of COVID-19. Okay, does that sound really broad to you? Isolate those diagnosed with or showing symptoms of COVID-19? Examples of the types of persons included in this order are those who test positive for COVID-19, who do not require hospitalization but need isolation including those exiting from hospitals. Are you hearing me? Those who have been exposed to COVID-19 who do not require hospitalization. And asymptomatic, high-risk individuals needing social distancing as a precautionary measure. Well, that sounds like everyone, doesn't it? They say sheltering specific populations in non-congregate shelters should be determined by a local public health official's direction or guidance and should be based on individual needs. On March 20, 2020, the state of Ohio and FEMA entered into a FEMA state agreement applicable to the entire state of Ohio and authorizing applicants to apply for emergency protective measures, including non-congregate sheltering. Three. The Ohio Emergency Management Agency is to secure the necessary approvals for the use of non-congregant sheltering statewide, and local government agencies should take all necessary actions to identify both public and private facilities, secure available space, and enter into any contracts or agreements that may be necessary to procure, equip, and operate non-congregate shelters throughout the state. Four. Public colleges and universities are directed to make available vacant ground, buildings, and facilities of such college or university as determined to be necessary and suitable after reasonable consultation between the college officials and the local Board of Health, Ohio Emergency Management Association, yak, 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 for temporary use as non-congregate sheltering to prevent the spread of COVID-19. This amended order shall take effect immediately and remain in full force, and it will expire in 90 days or at a time to be determined by the Director of Health, whichever is sooner. Accordingly, to avoid an imminent threat with a high probability of widespread exposure to COVID-19 with a significant risk of substantial harm to a large number of people in the general population, including the elderly and people with a weakened immune system, and chronic medical conditions, I hereby order non-congregate sheltering be utilized throughout the state for those who are unable to safely self-quarantine in their place of residence and to isolate those diagnosed with or showing symptoms of COVID-19. Are you kidding me? I mean, this order is open enough, it's vague enough, it's written in such a way to give these local mini-dictators plenty of reason to believe they have the power to order people into these camps. Oh, excuse me, shelters. Are you sufficiently awake now? Have you noticed lately that no matter what you read, it's not true? (laughs) Especially if you go online and you do a search, all of the search engines are now complicit toward a specific narrative, as well as any of the results that you find. Did you ever wonder why? Well, here's an article by Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., he serves on the board and the chair of the Children's Health Defense. Excellent website. The title of his article is Press in His Pocket Bill Gates Buys Media to Control the Messaging. A Columbia Journalism Review expose reveals that to control global journalism, Bill Gates has steered over 250 million to the BBC. NPR, NBC, Al Jazeera, ProPublica, National Journal, The Guardian, The New York Times, Univision, Medium, The Financial Times, The Atlantic, The Texas Tribune, Gannett, Washington Monthly, Le Monde, Center for Investigative Reporting, Pulitzer Center, National Press Foundation, International Center for Journalists, and a host of other groups. To conceal his influence, Gates also funneled unknown sums via sub to contracts to other press outlets. And his press bribes have paid off. During the pandemic, bought and brain-dead news outlets have treated Bill Gates as a public health expert, despite his lack of medical training or regulatory experience. Gates also funds an army of independent, and I'm doing air quotes, fact checkers. Fact checkers, you know, those who check facts, including the Pointer Institute and Gannett, which use their fact checking platforms to silence detractors and to debunk false conspiracy theories and what they call misinformation, charges that Gates has championed and invested in biometric chips, vaccine ID systems, satellite surveillance, and COVID vaccines. So anytime you print something like this, say, on a social media site, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, that gets taken down because the fact checkers say that it's misinformation. In 2007, The L.A. Times published one of the only critical investigations on the Gates Foundation, exposing Gates' holdings in companies that hurt people his foundations claimed to help, like industries linked to child labor. The lead reporter said they were unwilling to answer questions and pretty much refused to respond in any sort of way. No, duh. The investigation showed how Gates' global health funding has steered the world's aid agenda towards Gates' personal goals, which we all know are vaccines and GMO crops. Just keep that in mind when you can't find anything to read that makes sense. Here's another article, Polio Vaccine-Causing Polio Outbreaks in Africa, admitted by the WHO. A year ago, news outlets briefly shined a light on the fact that oral polio vaccines are causing polio outbreaks. With reports streaming in throughout 2019 regarding the circulation of vaccine-derived polio virus in numerous African and Asian countries, A CDC virologist confessed, we have now created more new emergencies of the virus than we have stopped. This week, the same story is making the same headlines with the WHO's shamefaced announcement that the oral polio vaccine is responsible for an alarming polio outbreak in Sudan, linked to an ongoing vaccine-sparked epidemic in Chad with parallel outbreaks in a dozen other African countries. In fact, between August of 2019 and August of 2020, there were 400 recorded cases of vaccine-derived polio in more than 20 countries worldwide. Ironically, the WHO disclosed this setback barely a week after it had declared the African continent to be free of wild poliovirus which has not been seen in Africa since 2016. And the WHO is warning that the risk of further spread of the vaccine-derived polio across Central Africa and the Horn of Africa is high. Oh, here's a familiar name. The Gates Foundation is a leading funder of oral polio vaccines in Africa and around the world, having dedicated nearly $4 billion to such efforts by the end of 2018. As discussed in Forbes in May 2019, Gates has personally driven the development of new oral polio vaccines and plays a strategic role beyond funding. The work on the polio vaccine changes the direction of the light on Gates and the Foundation, shifting the view from philanthropist to social entrepreneur. The Foundation isn't merely a grant-making organization, but also an innovation engine. Clearly, the outcomes of these innovations, hundreds of new cases of polio a year, warrants a closer look. And talk about taking it to the next level. If we're not finding enough people with uh, testing positive for who knows what, let's test sewage. Really? That's right, Ohio is testing sewage for COVID-19 as an early warning system. Okay, here we go. To help mitigate the spread of COVID-19 in the state, Governor Mike DeWine announced a new initiative by the state to test sewage for coronavirus to help find earlier warning signs to show the virus spread in a community. The increase of COVID-19 cases in communities is typically tracked by testing people with symptoms, an indicator that lags behind the actual spread of the disease. Because of this, there is a need to use early monitoring methods that estimate the disease's impact on the broader community, according to the Ohio Department of Health. The Sewage Monitoring Network includes several testing sites across the state, including three sites in Dayton, one in Mercer, one in Springfield. The state said it's going to expand the program with a joint venture between the ODH, Ohio, the the U.S. EPA, Ohio Water Resources Center, and several universities. Let's all get in on this. According to the state, the wastewater-entering treatment plants across the state will be sampled for fragments of the virus. This sample is analyzed by a laboratory to determine the number of virus gene copies present related to the wastewater flow that occurred on the sample day and the population that contributed to the flow. Based on current research, these virus fragments are not infectious at this sample point collection. The results, which will allow health officials to review the viral gene copies present in the sewage, will serve as an indicator that cases may be increasing or decreasing in the community. Because infected individuals can continue to shed the virus RNA in feces for 20 to 30 days after they are no longer infectious, decreases in the number of viral gene copies in wastewater might lag behind decreases in cases in the community. Trends in viral gene copies should be considered along with community case numbers and other COVID-19-related data to inform decisions about taking actions to help limit disease spread. And there is a sentence that was in quotes that I think is extremely important. They're going to look at what's going on in the poop here, in the wastewater, and add that up with the numbers, which we all know are fake, to inform decisions about taking actions to limit disease spread, basically to decide whether we shut it down. You get what I'm saying? So if they can't come up with the numbers, let's test wastewater. The state says the new system will help improve public health. Oh, yes, it always does, doesn't it? It will serve as an early warning of infection in communities provide information that can help local communities more quickly intervene with protective measures to slow the disease spread help communities measure the effectiveness of such interventions such as quarantine face coverings and business limitations results from the testing will be shared on the coronavirus ohio website now come on really we're just grabbing at you know what poop here just trying to come up with some way to make this drag on forever and ever due to the political agendas that have absolutely nothing to do with your health. Mm. Well, here's what I think of all that. And if you happen to have internet access, I would strongly suggest that you head over to a Facebook page called Ohio Stands Up. Ohio Stands Up. They just filed a lawsuit against the state of Ohio to remove the unconstitutional emergency order. They say, we believe that the response to COVID-19 has been the greatest fraud ever perpetrated on the American public. Determined to restore the constitutional rights that have been stripped away by the state of Ohio's unjustified actions regarding COVID-19, Ohio Stands Up has filed suit in the Northern District of Ohio Federal Court to remove the emergency order. They already have over 8,000 people on this Facebook page, so I encourage you to head over to Ohio Stands Up on Facebook. Actually, I'll have a link on today's page at the website speakupandstayalive.com. So I close today with a couple of those random stories just to keep you abreast of what's going on out there. (sighs) I don't know. Don't know where it's going to end, do you? All I'm saying is to be vigilant and please realize that what you may be reading, if you keep reading the same thing over and over, no matter where you're reading it, uh, you got to wonder who's funding that and try to get your information from a non-biased source if at all possible these days. I mean, can you see what they're doing to us? They're narrowing our ability to even learn, to even find out for ourselves. So how can you speak up on something if you can't find out about it? So hopefully I'm here to help, help shed a little bit of light on it each week. So you can listen to this again at the website, speakupandstayalive.com. You know, I'm not talking about patient safety these days because A, people aren't going to the hospital unless they're absolutely dying. I know so many people who have situations that just say, you know what, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm not putting up with mandatory COVID testing that I don't want. And, and so people aren't going. Speaking of that, Uh, Somebody sent me an email last week after my show and pointed me to a very good website called thehealthyamerican.org, thehealthyamerican.org. Someone had also sent me a note where they had gone to the hospital for a procedure or some kind of treatment that they needed, but before they could get the treatment the hospital said that it was mandatory for her to get a coronavirus test and not just the swab in the mouth. They actually had to go up the nose, and she refused it and said, I don't want that. And they said that, well, then you can't have the procedure unless you have this done. So on the healthyamerican.org, there's some very interesting information where the gal who runs this says, it is unlawful for you to be forced into any medical intervention. There's patient rights, okay? Every hospital has a patient bill of rights. The patient has the right to considerate and respectful care. Number two, the patient is entitled to the opportunity to discuss, request information related to the specific treatments and procedures and the risks involved. And they're saying here that COVID testing is not approved by the FDA and the risks and side effects are unknown. Next, the patient has the right to refuse a recommended treatment or plan of care to the extent permitted by law and hospital policy and to be informed of the medical consequences of this action. In case of such refusal, the patient is entitled to other appropriate care and services that the hospital provides. So this sounds like if the patient refuses the coronavirus test, according to the Bill of Rights, they still are entitled to other appropriate care and services that the hospital provides. And lastly, the patient has the right to consent or to decline to participate in proposed research studies or human experimentation. And since COVID testing is not approved by the FDA and the risks and side effects are unknown, hmm, is this human experimentation? You should ask the questions, what is the legal authority that compels me to get tested? Why get tested if the results are inaccurate? The FDA says the tests are not accurate, so why take one? Taking an unapproved test with unknown side effects constitutes a medical experiment. I do not consent to participating in a medical experiment. Further, if I am compelled to undergo a test without my consent and without financial compensation, that amounts to human trafficking, which is a felony that carries a prison sentence and a fine of $500,000. What action will you take because of the results? Who is paying for the test? who is getting paid for my taking the test. Forcing me to take a test is a violation of my privacy rights protected by the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. Interesting, huh? Further, all medical procedures, including testing, must be consensual and performed by a licensed physician in order to be lawful. Non-consent administration of a medical procedure is a felony assault and battery, whether administered by a licensed physician or not. Protection of any group, such as the general public, does not suspend my individual rights. So it sounds like there's a lot of information here that you need to be aware of. Head over to thehealthyamerican.org. And thank you to the person who sent that to me. And the people that are going, well, everything that they have, you, you could cough or sneeze and die, and you're said to have died from the coronavirus. And note, there's a big difference of dying from something and dying with it, okay? You know how many people probably are colonized with MRSA? Probably a third to a half of the population have the MRSA bacterium in their bodies, but it doesn't bother them. It's not killing them. Why don't they test for MRSA and say that half of the world is dying of MRSA? Well, I guess there's no pending vaccine to make money on that. Anyway, I'm getting off on another topic again. Head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com. Get some copies of my books because they really are valuable should you enter a hospital situation. My newest book, Highway to Heart, Humor and Honesty in Healthcare. And oh my goodness, don't we need some heart, humor and honesty when it comes to healthcare. Visit speakupandstayalive.com. Until next week, please stay safe, happy, healthy and sane not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety.
0: The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember... It's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive.
1: Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Join me, Pat Rulo, every Saturday morning at 8.30 on WHKW AM 1220, The Word, and every Sunday afternoon at 2.30 on WHK AM 1420, The Answer. Stay safe from little-known healthcare care and hospital hazards. For more, visit SpeakUpAndStayAlive.com. That's SpeakUpAndStayAlive.com. And I'll see you Saturday morning at 8.30. And I'll see you Sunday at 2.30.